talks about robes, robes of righteousness. They change their, their clothes as they receive forgiveness through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Those that have not received forgiveness and salvation cannot stay and they are thrown outside into the darkness. The call of salvation is given to all people. Without reservation, without exclusion, everyone is invited. Everyone is welcomed. And everyone is wanted. But not everyone says yes to the call of salvation through Jesus. And when they, they don't say yes, then they're not chosen. See, you're chosen when you say yes to the call. The call of salvation through Jesus is universal. And then when you and I, when we say yes to this call of salvation, we say yes to Jesus, then we, we, we are chosen and then we receive a call to step into the God-given destiny that we were created to fulfill. Now this call is different for everyone. But it, it, it can be categorized into, into seven different what we'll call spheres of influence or some people will call them mountains of culture. And these are these seven spheres or mountains. We have church, family, media, arts and entertainment, government, education, and business. We are all called to at least one of these areas, spheres or mountains, where we are to bring the influence of the kingdom of God, working to make that area where we are called to look like and feel like and operate like God's kingdom with His principles and with His values. This is, the, this is the, the outworking, the fulfillment of the, of the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to make earth look like heaven. Abraham Kuyper, which, who is a, a theologian, he wrote and he said it this way. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Jesus looks over all of creation, looks over all of humanity, all the different areas, all the different people, all the different you know, cultures and, 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 and countries. And he looks at that and he says, I died for you. That is mine. And we, his servants, his followers, are the ones that he uses and works through us to go into those areas of culture and society, countries around the world. And we work to bring the kingdom of heaven to those areas, to see salvation to people. If you got your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want to speak directly to some of you today. Now the rest of you, that doesn't mean you get to check out. You'll know when I'm, when I'm speaking to you. Because I, I believe that everyone will receive a deposit and a challenge from the Holy Spirit. There's principles that I'm going to share today that you can take and you can apply directly to your, to, to your life, whether or not you feel like I'm speaking specifically to you or not. But I am going to speak specifically to some of you. And there are some in this room, and I know some of who I'm speaking to, but I don't know all. And whether or not I'm, I'm speaking directly to you is going to be between you and, and Jesus. It's for you, the two of you, to, to wrestle out. So let's look at, at 1 Kings chapter 19, starting at verse number 19. It says, So Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, 
While he was plowing with twelve pairs of oxen before him, and he was with the twelfth, Elijah went over to him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go on back, for what have I done to stop you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took a pair of oxen, he sacrificed them, he boiled their meat with the implements of the oxen, that's the, the plow, as fuel, and gave the meat to the people, and they ate. And then he stood and followed Elijah and served him. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would take the words that I believe that you've given me today, and that you'd speak very clearly to people, that they would hear your voice, and they would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are speaking to them. In Jesus' name, amen. So this story, these, these, these three or four verses, um, this is Elisha's call to minister full-time. Now, if you remember last week, if you were here last week, I made this statement. I said, everyone is called to full-time ministry, but not everyone is called to minister full-time. See, meaning, what this means is not, there's not one person who has said yes to Jesus is meant to sit in the seats of a church somewhere and just be a spectator. That this is the, the, the beginning and the end of your, your, your Christian relationship is what happens between 10.30 and 12 on a Sunday morning. We're not, not one person who says yes to Jesus and is following Jesus is meant just to, to watch what happens and watch, you know, what we'll say, quote unquote, ministry take place. Some are called to the mountain or the sphere of influence of the church, which is a calling to minister full-time. Others are called to full-time ministry in one of the other six mountains or, or areas of influence, but we are all called to full-time ministry. This is giving our lives as ministers of the gospel. This is giving our lives to, to Jesus and to doing and, and, and saying all that he has for us. So today I'm I'm talking to you who are called to minister full-time, that you feel like church, this mountain of influence, is your primary calling, that I'm speaking to you. Like I said at, at the beginning, I believe that there is something here for everyone. So please, please do not check out if you're like, well, that's, that's not my calling. Stay with me, because I, I, I know God's got something for you. There are three things that I want us to take note of in, in, this, in the passage that, that we read about Elisha's call to minister full-time. And the first one is his response. Look at verse 20. After Elijah threw, the, threw his mantle on Elisha, it says, He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said to him, Please let me go, let me, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will follow you. So Elijah throws his mantle on Elisha as he's plowing his family's field. He's out working. And he, there's, there's, there's 12 pairs of oxen and he's with the, with the 12 and they're, they're preparing the field for, for planting. This mantle represents Elisha's call to minister full time as a prophet of the Lord. The call to come, to be discipled, to be trained, to be mentored as a prophet by Elijah. And Elisha's initial response is immediate, right away. Leaving what he's doing, he runs after Elijah and he asks for permission. Please let me just go say goodbye to my parents. See, when you are called to minister full-time, the initial response really does need to be immediate. You need to, to respond immediately to what you're sensing the Lord saying to you. This response, it's not going to be the same for everyone because we all, 
we're all in different contexts and situations, and we're going to be at different ages when we sense this call. And so, you know, some people receive the call to ministry as a child or as a student, and so there's you're kind of limited on what your response is in that moment. It's not, you know, if you're a high school student, you can't check out of high school, and, and, and now you're just going to go and, and be prepared and trained for full-time ministry. Finish high school. Kids, stay in school. Don't drop out. But if you're an adult, that response for you can be a little bit different. But sharing the call of God on your life with someone else is important. So there is accountability and confirmation with what you feel that the Lord is saying. Elisha says goodbye to his father and mother. He tells them of the call and what he is doing with his life that he's received. And now there is instant accountability. The... Um, the toothpaste is out of the proverbial toothpaste tube, right? When you squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube, it's, there's no getting it back in the tube. So as soon as Elisha told, told somebody, he told his parents about the call, the toothpaste is out. Now there's no getting it back in there. There's, there's accountability to what has just happened. I remember one time our family was, was riding a train. All four of us were there, and Josiah was sitting on my, on my right-hand side. And uh, Renee was sitting on my left, and, and Faith was, was sitting on her lap. And we're, we're, we're riding a train, and then Renee leans over to me, and she whispers, she says, I think, I've got a, I think I've got a word for that guy who's sitting across from us. And she, she did this because she knew in that moment, the moment that she said something, she's now accountable to somebody else for what she was feeling that the Lord is doing. See, if you keep it quiet to yourself, it's just you and the Lord, right? You can, you can fool all the rest of us right? But you'll never fool the Lord. But as soon as you speak it out loud, you're now accountable to somebody. And then she knew something else that immediately I would encourage her to, to deliver that, that word, to go and talk to him. So immediately she told me that I immediately picked faith up and I put faith on my lap and I said, go and talk to him. See, I removed all the obstacles because in that moment, faith was probably like a 300 pound gorilla sitting on Renee. She couldn't move. There's no getting up with this tiny, you know, she's probably like six years, seven years old at the time. <laughs> but but I, so I just picked her up and I moved her and now Renee was free. Free to cross the train and, and speak with this young man. So she went and talked to him. See, it's important to share your call with someone that will believe in you. We all need someone to believe in us. Whatever your dream is, whatever the, the call is, but especially when you're called to minister full-time, you need people who will believe in you and encourage you and make space for you to pursue that call. Because there's going to be times that you are going to need that encouragement. You are going to need that support as you walk out this call to minister full-time. And there are times where the accountability to that person that you shared, what you felt like the Lord was calling you to, is what keeps you on track to pursue your call. I think we, we have a habit of not sharing with people who are close to us what the Lord is saying to us. And so we don't, we don't live in accountability. Keeping your call to minister full-time to yourself is a recipe for living your life running away from that call. And I mean, the, the, the obvious biblical story is Jonah, who just kept what the Lord said to him, to himself, and he ran away. I, I know people. I, Renee and I went to college with, with people that had ran away from their call for most of their life. There was, uh, there was um, I think there was three people that, that started college with us, and they were, um, 
they had kids who were our age, but they had ran away from the call of God their entire lives up to that point. And let me tell you, they were the most miserable, unsatisfied, not content people you could ever meet. I know I've heard I've heard Gretchen say this, and I don't, so I don't know if she, this was a quote from her dad or not. But she 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 said that um, the Lord will get you where He wants you to where He wants you to be. You have a choice though. You can either go on an ocean liner or you can go in the belly of a fish. That was you. All right, we just quoted we just quoted Gretchen. <laughs> He's going to get you where He wants you to go. How do you want to get there? It's always better if you don't run. Running away from the Lord is never works. It's never good. Your life doesn't turn out the way that you'd hope for. The call of God demands a response from us. You were created to fulfill a specific call and trying to live outside of that call is like trying to force a square peg into a round hole. You can do it, especially if you get a big enough hammer. You can force that peg in there. But it's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be a little bit awkward and it's not going to fit quite right. We have to respond. The second thing I want you to take note of is Elisha's resolve. Look at verse uh, 21. Elisha left him, went back, and then he took a pair of oxen, sacrificed them, and boiled their meat with the implements of the oxen and gave the meat to the people and they ate. Elisha made this steadfast decision. This was a resolve. A resolve is when you, you make a decision, it's steadfast, and it's you, are, I'm, you are either going to do something or you are not going to do something. But you've made the decision, it's, it's over, it's done. It's a determination and a commitment to not go back to the old way of life, to not go back to whatever it was, where you were, or what you were doing before the decision was made. Elisha made sure that there was nothing for him to go back to. He burned the bridge back to his old way of life. When the explorer Cortez arrived in what he thought was the new world with, with all of his men and the ships that they arrived on, he turned and he burnt all their ships and sunk them, sending a message to his men, there is no going back. Family, too often we leave a way for us to go back to where we came from. And it's time to burn the ships. We, 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 we do this when we pursue our call. I, I can't tell you how many times I have heard, heard parents tell their children who feel a call to full-time ministry, well, well just, just go get a degree in education so you've got something to fall back on. When did we ever need something to fall back on when we're following Jesus? You fall back on Jesus. Right? Like there's, there's, no, there's no need for a plan B. You get into trouble when you have a plan B. You've got this path back to something or somewhere else. Because I'm telling you what, if you are feeling the call to minister full time and give your life to, to church ministry, whatever that looks like, you will be tempted time and time again to go back to your old way, to go back to the old job, where you could go do something else where there's less pressure, more money, and more freedom. It's just the truth. It's time for us to burn the ships. And we, we do this, if I can bring it home for everybody. We do this when we say yes to Jesus at the moment of salvation. We don't burn the ships. There's no going back. Jesus isn't, you know, the latest membership card that you've got in your wallet. He, he said, <laughs> Jesus made some strong statements. 
He said, those who put their hand to the plow and then look back are not worthy to follow me. When you say yes to Jesus, burn the ships. See, when we follow Jesus, that answering that initial call is on, honestly, literally, it's, it's us saying, Jesus, I'm with you to the end. No matter when the end comes or how the end comes. See, Jesus said to, to the disciples who are following, pick up your cross and follow me. This is an all or nothing statement. Like we, we honestly, and, and I think maybe it's just the, and it's, it's, our, it's our context, but it's the, it's the Western world where we think we can have a little bit of everything. We've got this buffet smorgasbord of life and Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. He said, you want to follow me? You want everything that I have for your life? And you have to deny yourself. You have to live for me and me alone. You have to be willing to sacrifice all, like everything, your reputation, your desires, your wants, your dreams, your comforts. Yes, even for some, your life. Listen, I, we, we, in my opinion, Jesus is the only person and thing worth giving your life for. Some, some people you're sitting here and you need something to live for because you're just kind of doing life and you don't really have any purpose. You don't have anything to live for. You don't have anything that you said, I will give my life to that. Jesus is that. We give our life to Jesus. It is our privilege and pleasure to serve Jesus because he's worthy. No matter what the cost, Jesus is worth it. It's like, like if, you, if you look at something as you're journeying with the Lord, journeying with Jesus, and, and you look at something, he's asking you to lay that down, and you're like, whoo. Jesus, that's a lot. And you debate, then you don't have an accurate revelation of Jesus and all that he is and all that he has for you. Because let me, let me tell you, when you spend time with him and, and you, as, as it were, you look into his eyes, it's worth it. He is, he's worth it. He's worthy of it all. We have to make a resolve to follow Jesus and his call and never turn back. It's an interesting, there's an interesting story in the book of Acts, and I think it's like Acts 16, 14 to 16. And it's where Paul uh, meets Timothy and sees the call of God on Timothy's life and wants to bring Timothy along with him so that he can give his life to minister full-time. Timothy's an adult, a young adult. We don't know his exact age, but he's a young adult. And then Paul, But he's not Jewish like Paul. And so Paul writes and he says, I, I become all things to all people so that I, you know, that I might win some, some to Christ. And so he has these messages where, where he's, he's you know, reaching out to the Jewish people and Timothy's a Greek, and the you know, big bodily difference between Greeks and and Jewish people is is Greeks are not circumcised. And so Paul says, Timothy, I see the call of God on your life to to minister full time. Timothy says, Yes, I see it too. Let's do it. And Paul pulls a knife out and says, We got a little business to take care of before you can come with me. There's no going back for Timothy. He made a resolve in the decision that he was, I'm doing this call. 
The Bible's a really good book. The third thing I want you to take note of is, is that Elisha took responsibility. Verse 21. So then he stood and followed Elijah and served him. He owned the call of God on his life to be a prophet by taking personal responsibility to walk after it. Like Elijah had already said to him when he said, hey, can I go say goodbye to my parents before he come? He goes, what, what have I done to you? you you've, like, there's no requirements here. It's up, it's up to you. So he got up and he followed him and served him. After throwing his own goodbye party, right? Like he sacrificed the oxen. He, he destroyed the, the, the plow. He lit it on fire. He boiled the meat. He gave it to all his friends. This is basically, he's throwing his own goodbye party to all of his friends. Elisha stands up and he follows Elijah. He didn't wait till he had it all figured out. He didn't wait till he had all the finances together. He didn't wait till he had all of his questions answered. He acted. He took responsibility for what had just happened. He began serving Elijah. Can I just say, start serving in the direction of your call? Understand and own the fact that you don't know what you don't know. Get some training. Get some education. Be discipled and serve, serve, serve in the direction of your call. That which you feel called to minister full time in. There comes a moment when you have to go. You have to move. You have to actually step out and start following God and the call He has on your life. And this is ownership. This is personal responsibility. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with the call of God on your life? I had to answer the same call. Renee had to, to answer that same question. What am I going to do with the call of God on my life? Do something. Anything. Just get started and allow God to shape you, to mold you, to refine you, to guide you so that you can fulfill His call. It's a silly old saying, but you can't steer a parked car. If you just get moving, God can direct you. Elisha became one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel's history. The end of Elijah's life, Elijah's about to be taken up into heaven. And Elisha faithfully follows him and serves him. And Elijah looks at him and says, what do you want? And Elisha looks at Elijah and says, I want twice as much as whatever God has put on your life. Like, <laughs> like this is bold. This is bold. I want twice as much as what God has put on your life. And Elijah says, you've asked a hard thing, but if you see me when I'm, when I'm taken from you, then, then you'll have it. The Bible actually records twice as many miracles that Elisha performed than Elijah did. Twice as many. Elisha was so anointed that after he died and he was buried and it's, like he's gone, it's just bones, that the, these group of men accidentally threw a, another dead man on top of Elisha's bones because there was, a, there was like some marauders that were coming and they were afraid. So they, they, they found a cave and they threw this dead man in the cave and Elisha's bones happen to be in there. The dead man lands on Elisha's bones, is resurrected and raised back to life. That's how anointed Elisha was. There was still anointing left in his bones. See, only God knows what will happen when you say yes to the call to minister full time. Results. That's God's domain. 
Ours, mine? Faithfulness and obedience. We leave all the results and all of those things up to Jesus. I'm faithful and obedient to the call of God on my life. And it starts with starting. Just start. Several months after I'd given my life to Jesus, I was 20 years old when I, when I said yes to Jesus. And I was 21 um, a few months later. I was working for a logging company in the, the Rocky Mountains up in a tiny town in, in, um, in Canada. And I loved my job. I thought I had the best job in the entire world. My job was to load and offload these massive logging trucks with trees that they had already cut down. Um, and it was, it was so great for me. It, then, I, I, don't, I don't now, I don't play video games now, but um, I used to play video games. And it was like playing video games. My whole job was this. Like I had hand controls and, and four buttons and two triggers. And, and then you drove with your feet. You, that's how you move back and forth. And so I, I just thought, man, I, literally I worked at least 12 hours a day for 14 days in a row. And then you get a day off and you go back to work all winter long. I, I felt like I was playing video games for 12 hours a day. It was amazing. And not only just playing video games, but you're lifting these massive trees. And it was, it was, it was so cool. I loved it. And then one night I was, I was working the night shift in the middle of the night. And um, clear as day, I'm working away. And you're all by yourself. Like there's no one else around. They sit in this little cab and then there's a, a truck driver, but they come and go. So I'm all, I'm all alone. And I heard so clearly the voice of the Lord. He said, I've called you to minister full time. I can't even explain it other than the only thing that it was like was, it was like a light switch. Instantly, I, I loved my job. I heard that. The switch was flicked. And I, I was like, man, I, I lost all love for the job. I hated the job. I despised it. I didn't want to get up and go to work. I, it was like, it was the worst, it was the worst thing ever that I could possibly be doing with my life. I left that night and as soon as I had the chance, I told three people what had happened. I told my pastor. I told my, my best friend at the time. And I told my parents, this was my response to the call of God on my life. I said last night, I, I felt... I felt the Lord tell me, I've called you to minister full time. Every one of them encouraged me to take next steps. So I, I applied for college. I applied to, to be trained for ministry. And they, they held me accountable. They not only encouraged me and made space, but they held me accountable when I wavered in those first few months because I doubted. There was a moment came when, when, when I didn't have the finances to go. I applied for some student loans, but because I made so much money in the job that I had, and I was also horrible at my money. It was like I put all my money in a bucket that had a hole in the bottom. Like I had, no, I had nothing to, to show for it. And so they were like, well, you made too much money. You, you can't, like, we can't give you anything. And I literally had nothing for school. And so I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'll, I'll work for one more winter. And I'll save all of my money. I'll move in with my parents so I won't have any expenses. I'll sell all my cars. Yes, a single guy, two, two cars and a truck. Or it was actually two trucks and a car. I'll, I'll sell them all and I'll just, I'll just work and I'll save all my money. Because that sounded responsible to me. Like I wasn't saying no, I was just going to delay and defer the, you know, answering the call for one year. My pastor, he calls me and he says, hey, I'm coming to pick you up. And so he came to pick me up and I, I, jumped, I jumped in his car. We were driving around and he heard, heard what my decision was, and he says, I need to tell you some of the miracles, financial miracles that I experienced when I was in college because I didn't have any money either. 
And so he encouraged me, and I said, yeah, so, okay, I'll, I'll go, and I'll just trust God. Literally, I think it was like the next Sunday, there was a, 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 a girl in the church who was going off to ministry school, but she had all the money she needed from her parents, and she got this scholarship check, and she turned and she just gave it to me, and she said, here, I want you to have this, and it paid for all of my books. See, like, they, they encouraged me. They made space. They made space for me. They held me accountable. So I resolved that I was going to follow this call to ministry, and I, I quit my job. I told friends. <laughs> you can tell friends who are Christians what you're doing, and they, most of them will understand. There'll still be some Christians who won't understand, like, what on earth are you doing? I, I didn't just tell Christian friends. I told non-Christian friends, friends that I grew up with that didn't know me and Jesus together. Um, and I told them what I was doing, and they looked at me like I had three heads and thought I was ridiculous and, and stupid for what I was doing. I actually had someone break into my house in the middle of the night when I was asleep on my couch, and he... <laughs> It sounds funny now. I was asleep on the couch and he sat on me. That's I woke up to this guy sitting on my chest and he's yelling at me that I was throwing my life away. That was my resolve. Telling people. So I got persecuted for it. I moved five hours away. I went to a school where I really didn't know anyone. Thankfully, my, my best friend knew Renee and she was, she was my one friend that I had when I, when I went to college. God's good. Just say God's good. I wasn't... He knew I needed help in finding a, a, a good wife. And so he put me in every class that Renee had. There wasn't one class in college that I had that Renee didn't have. And um, thank you, Lord. So <laughs> there was no going back for me. There was nothing left in that tiny mountain town. I was all in. And I prayed this prayer. I said, Jesus, I'll go where you want me to go. And I'll do what you want me to do. And I'll say what you want me to say. My life is yours. I took responsibility for what I felt the Lord say to me, and I started. I got trained. I got an education for ministry. And then I started to serve. I served in chapels. Like There was a, a mall in the city where, where we went to, to school, and there was a chapel in the mall. And I, I served there, and I just went, and I, I helped the pastor, and I talked to students. Uh, I served in youth ministries. I was, I was prayer support for, for pastors. I led small groups, talked to students. I helped with evangelism and deliverance ministries. I did whatever that Jesus put in front of me to do. I owned the call of God on my life, and I took responsibility to answer that call. So it hasn't been easy. It's been the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. But I've gained so much more than I have ever sacrificed. I, I've seen more than I ever thought was even possible to see. I've met the most incredible people. It's been painful. It's been joyful. I've had happy times and hard times. It's all for Jesus, and he's worth it. He is worthy. So if you're here today, and you, you I'm going to say this. Whatever you feel God has, has created for you to do, the dream, the destiny on your life, like, you have to respond to that. Don't put it off to tomorrow. But if you're here, and you feel called to, to, to church ministry, whatever that looks like, and I'll, I'll guarantee you really don't understand what it looks like and where God's going to have you because it's not, it doesn't all look like me. Like I, like this is my full-time job. Like Re Renee is trained. She's got the same credentials and education that, that I do, but she's full-time volunteer, right? Shelby has, is, is ordained, but she, she, um, uh, she does, it's, uh, she's bivocational or co-vocational. She works full-time in a school and then she, she serves, she serves here. Ryan, Ryan works a full-time sales job and then he works 20 hours here. 
Like, so it's, it's not, it doesn't all look the same. So we don't box God in by saying, okay, this is exactly what it, what it has to look like. There's so much that it could look like. But what you do know is that you are called to minister full time, something to do with the church. If that's what you're feeling and sensing between you and the Lord this morning, that call of God requires a response, a resolve, and personal responsibility. I'm going to ask Johan to come and, uh, at this time and play and play the keys, play a little music for us or the, or the guitar. And this is how I want to, I want to end today. If you feel the call of God to minister full time in the church in some way, shape, form, capacity, and listen, it doesn't matter if you're 12 or 82. It's time to answer the call. Then I'm going to ask you to come and stand right down here. If you feel, I'm, yes, I am called to minister full time in the church. Because we want to lay hands on you. Come on. Don't wait for someone else. Whoever you are. Whatever that looks like. Emily, we need more pastors. We need more prophets. We need more evangelists. We need more apostles. The church needs more teachers. We need people who are going to give their lives to children. Give their lives to students that are going to go after them and say, not on my watch. Am I going to let children just wander away, be snatched away? by culture, by society, by the, by, by the enemy. I'm going to give my life to this. Renee, can you grab the anointing oil? It's not too late if you're still sitting there and you're thinking, I don't know, maybe. You know what? If you're thinking, I don't know, maybe, then just come. Just leave, leave what it looks like up to Jesus. There was a time on there's a time in my life when I actually said I don't want to be the lead pastor of a church for many many years I had no idea that this is where I would stand There was a time when I thought I would be a traveling evangelist that that's what that's what we would do I've never done that I've done this Jesus we just leave it all up to you And so We're going to lay hands on you and we're going to pray. And then I want to give a, a charge to the rest of the church family. And so for the rest of our staff who are, who are in the room, if you, you come, our pastoral staff, please come. Because I want you to lay hands and anoint them too. Yeah, Ryan, Shelby. We're going to, we're going to pray for them. Kaylee. Joel. I know your role was a little different, but that's still church mountain influence. We have a couple.